0: Moon Group, Reach to the Moon Podcast. I'm sitting here today with Academy of European Swordsmanship. And uh, if you could introduce yourself.
1: My name is Johannes Heidner.
0: Sounds good. Can you describe exactly what swordsmanship is?
1: We study the traditional martial arts of uh, Europe. So we learn to fight with long swords, short swords, uh, knives, unha- unarmed Wrestling, whatever, you know, anything that was taught in Europe as a martial art of some sort, we'll look at it.
0: Okay. So, other people, or what decade would you call that? Middle Eastern?
1: From uh, the oldest manuscript we know of is written in around 1300. Okay. Okay. And they're written all the way up to World War I on our Western martial arts. So, primarily, we concentrate on the late Middle Ages and the Renaissance For swordsmanship.
0: For swordsmanship, what do you think is the coolest tool that you guys get to play with?
1: I don't think there's any one coolest, but the most popular is the longsword, right now. Um, A lot of my students are moving in towards sabers and uh, other short swords.
0: How many people participate?
1: We probably have about twenty club members that are active.
0: Okay, and how often do you guys meet?
1: A couple times a week, Tuesday and Thursday evenings, we meet. starting at 7 o'clock at uh, a church here in town that we rent their gym out.
0: Now, even though this is a podcast based on entrepreneurship, I decided to cover them because even as an association, they're still ran like a business. So when you first started to be the association and group, what was the biggest thing that you ran into and how many people did it start off
1: with? We started off with eight university students as a university club. Way back in the 90s. Okay. And uh, there wasn't a lot of, you know, problems at the time because we had a full support of the University of Alberta. So we had room bookings. We were covered by their insurance. All we had to do was, you know, put up posters around for people. Hey, come join us. Come have fun. And that was pretty much it. And we all sat down and studied the stuff out of books, tried to figure out what it was because there is no lineage of our martial art back to the Middle Ages. It all died off in the early 20th century.
0: So this idea of working in the Middle Ages and the swordsmanship, did you have to make all your own tools?
1: Originally, yeah, we did. That was our biggest obstacle was finding practice swords because nobody made them. But, you know, 20 years later today, there are several people around the world who make all these things and sell them to the different clubs around the world.
0: Okay. Are any of them actually where you have to go get certification on them as a weapon or are you allowed to play around with them oh
1: anybody can buy them and play with them (laughs) anywhere they want okay they're not real swords they're blunt i can show you if you want later (laughs) (laughs) haha
0: you guys are at home you don't get to play with swords um but anyhow so moving forward then when did you get out of the university uh life because right now you guys are in the basement of a church
1: we rented a gym at uh, St. George's Greek Orthodox Church, which is on 124th Street and 108th Avenue here in Edmonton.
0: Okay. So, when did you decide to leave the university and branch into the church?
1: We didn't really have a choice about that because the university has a policy that so many of the club members must be undergraduate students. We all got older. We all graduated, and we just too many of us were no longer students, so we had to move. Okay. Based on that.
0: And after you moved out, uh, what was something that you learned while you are researching where you wanted to find a place?
1: The uh, first place we actually rented was Orange Hall in Strath- Old Strathcona. And they asked us for our insurance. And we all kind of looked at each other and went, insurance? What? So we had to find someone to insure our club against liability and uh, property damage and what have you for the hall there.
0: Um, but it, it's very important to know that e- even when you go on a venture and you're branching out, that yeah. sometimes you run into p- predicaments that you we don't really plan We called at
1: least half a dozen different insurance companies, and because they considered us a martial arts club, most of them wouldn't touch us, and only the one would. They said, yeah, we do martial arts clubs. And so that's who we had to go with. We didn't really have much choice at the time.
0: Where do you guys see yourself going in the future then? if you didn't see that move happening, do you guys see yourself uh, growing forward to maybe even a bigger venue?
1: Our dream is to have our own place. like you know like the actual businesses do that run martial arts schools around the city, Taekwondo and Kung Fu and those kind of guys. But our our club is a pretty small market. Nobody's ever heard of Western martial arts or historical European martial arts as it's often called.
0: What does it cost to be a member of your association?
1: We base our fees on what it costs us to run. So right now we charge people $70 a month for dues if they're coming to one class a week and 110 if they're coming to two. Um, that covers our insurance, our rent, and we then we put a little bit of money into gear that we buy for the club that people use when they come in to okay. study
0: do you what's your biggest cost then uh the rent the rent for the building yeah so how could bison moon group uh, reach the moon podcast help you reach the moon
1: well it gets more members so that we can (laughs) have a slush to rent a bigger place and have more people to split the costs with
0: okay so even if somebody out there might have a venue uh suitable would you look at possibly switching absolutely yeah yeah So if you out there do have a venue, uh, what is it that you require in your venue to be a space?
1: It has to have at least 14 foot high ceilings because we do work with weapons. And if we're working with a quarterstaff, for example, you get some six foot guy swinging an eight foot pole, it's got to be big enough that he's not going to hit the ceiling. That makes (laughs) sense. That makes sense. (laughs) And uh, of course, big enough space that we can work with the swords and the staves.
0: Okay. Uh, And is this something that men and women attend?
1: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got members as young as 10 and as old as 60, male and female.
0: So what do you require people to bring with them when they come for the first time?
1: Indoor shoes and dress appropriately.
0: Dress appropriately to roll around on the ground and uh, no loose baggy clothes?
1: Well, no, we prefer you have loose baggy clothes like gym clothes, you because know, you're going to be sweating and you're going to be working hard. So.
0: Okay. Um, what do you do for advertising? Uh, to create new members
1: well advertising is too expensive for us because as i said we work on a non-profit basis um, we've tried tried several things and none of them really panned out don't we don't bother with anything except our website and word of mouth right now
0: what do you think is a future risk that your company like your organization might fall into
1: well if we lose membership we can't operate because we can't afford the rent then okay. so that's our biggest risk
0: and do you have staffing problems or do you have anybody actually even though you're non-profit do you have anybody actually doing all the accounting and any actual day-to-day business we're a
1: volunteer organization so every year we uh, elect whoever runs different aspects of it Um, i'm the president and uh, treasurer right now Um, Our other coach, he does a lot of the other organization for such things as outreach and getting um, outside instructors to come in and help teach what we do.
0: When you decided to do this years ago, did you guys ever build a business plan for it?
1: We've never built a business plan. (laughs) No, we keep operating the same way we did when we were university students. (laughs) (laughs) With the passion. Yeah, with the passion. And that's what drives us and keeps us going, right?
0: Uh. Have any of your children or family members joined the club?
1: Yeah. My son, who's 12 years old right now, has been practicing this since he was six years old.
0: Oh, wow. Any good fall-off that came from it, like an actual life experience from inside the club now affects like an outside-the-club atmosphere? So something that you learned from somebody beside you in the club that you can now take out of the club with you. So maybe your love for the sword has now taught you metalwork and now they're a blacksmith making wrought iron handrails. Uh,
1: not me personally. I haven't, I'm, I used to be a sculptor for a living so that was already crossed over. Um, but I have had students who've learned quite a bit about crafts and they've been making protective gear for themselves and one of our students is now learning uh, leather work because he wants to make some fancy protective gear for himself that looks really cool. And he comes back and tells us his challenges with that and how interesting it was to learn this stuff. And, of course, we get to see his craftsmanship, which is really cool, too.
0: Okay, no, that's good that things can kind of go inside the club and outside the club in the way of expanding someone's knowledge. Uh, Sometimes when we join on to the the club, we think, okay, we're going to join for this reason. And then two years down the road, you, you get another reason for it.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of the people join just because they say swords are cool and they want to learn how to use a sword. Uh, Some join because they say it'll be a cool way to get fit. Um, And others, you know, they join just because they have a friend who's in it and they're kind of curious about what their friend's doing. Um, And it always has outside benefits like that. We make lots of friends through each other, through the club. So what's
0: your personal background? What actually got you into an interest uh, in the Middle Ages?
1: Honestly, I don't even know. <laughs> um, I think what got me interested in, in the swordsmanship itself was uh, I had, when I was much younger, I used to wrestle competitively. So I had a, a high interest in that kind of martial competitive sports. And uh, then I decided to try some martial arts. And I tried karate and kickboxing um, and a couple other Eastern martial arts. And I didn't like the culture around them for starters and I was like well why can't I find something that has western european my heritage culture behind it and then I found a, a group of these um these role reenactors these role players and they had a little part of their group that did some fighting and I tried that for a while uh, but it was very um how to say inauthentic it wasn't really a martial art it was just guys going out there and standing and swinging sticks at each other which was really really disappointing but as a university student I found other people who some of them were part of that group and some were not and we got together and said why don't we see if we can find if there's any books or other groups that actually do this as a martial art and we managed to find some very very old books um, I mean from the middle ages themselves so it's like yeah okay here it is let's see if we can figure it out from these books and learn to recreate the martial art from that since we couldn't find any other sources and we did that for a number of years and then in 2000 the year 2000 I found another group in Texas that did this and they were actually had several chapters around the United States and uh, hooked up with them and we learned from each other for a couple years because I moved to Texas and then came back here and uh, when I came back the chapter here still had nine people (coughs) who were eager to have me back and to learn from what I'd learned down there and uh, we just grew from there.
0: So do you still communicate with the people down there? Do you go back and forth?
1: Um, However there are dozens of groups around the world that we talk to and work with Um, like T. in the Netherlands he's come over here a couple times or one time that I know of that we've taught he's taught our classes um, I talk with Christian Darcy who's in Texas and he runs a company down there that makes supplies for our group and other groups of course uh I talk with the two groups in Vancouver all the time and we have exchanges between our groups and theirs.
0: oh neat um for the actual people that attend your classes now. Would you say they're from a certain background? Like, are they lawyers, doctors? Are they mechanics?
1: Everything. Everything. I got med lab techs. I got electricians. I got uh, one guy who... I used to have one guy who was a lawyer, but uh, his business took off, so he couldn't have time for it anymore. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Uh, I got students. uh, I got a high school student in my classes. I got one woman who's... uh, She actually does stage design and repairs costumes and that kind of thing okay so
0: what would you say is the longest member and maybe the youngest member and the oldest member
1: the longest member is me Uh, the next longest is probably nikolai who's also one of our board members and he's god how long is he he's probably been doing it 12 years or so okay um the next longest would probably be dave who i think he's been doing eight or nine years um Dave is also our oldest member he's he just turned fifty nine I think um and our youngest member is David, who is twelve he'll be thirteen next month and David's been doing it for six years now. oh wow, yeah, well, it helps that I'm his dad. it kind of got him into it <laughs> <laughs> and our next youngest young, young member is a ten year old kid whose name I can't remember at the moment
0: okay, that's good that they can start young and stick with it um It's good because it brings out the community. It also holds them accountable for something that they are passionate about.
1: It does. I mean, the kids and teenagers, everybody joins because it's something they want to, they have a big interest in. It's not like, oh, I'm being pushed into Taekwondo because mom and dad want me to learn to deal with bullies. It's, this is swordsmanship. Where the heck are you ever going to use a sword?
0: True. Good to know. So,
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're not. Not unless you're involved in our club and you're going on one of the exchanges or on a, a tournament that's held either by us or somebody else around Canada.
0: Do you find there's an actual, like, reward that the person might get from it? Um, Let's say they're going through stress or they're maybe ADD, anything like that, that this helps with?
1: It depends on the person. Um, Some people have said, yeah, it's helped them in such ways that it's taught them a little, a lot more self-discipline because like any martial art, you have to be disciplined in order to improve. Um, Some people say it's really helped them in that it's given them motivation to get fit because you're never going to get good if you're not at least reasonably fit I mean I granted I'm no huge athlete myself but uh, I am more fit than your average 50 year old guy that's for sure
0: more so. unless you're just not sitting around
1: yeah you're, you're up you're active you're working hard at least a couple times a week and you know we encourage mm-hmm. people to practice outside of our club meetings so
0: okay and how often does the club meet
1: twice a week Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 o'clock till 9.30 p.m.
0: And if somebody wanted to join, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys?
1: You either call me or just show up at the meeting.
0: Okay. And the church address is?
1: 10831 124th Street.
0: Okay, good stuff. Well, thanks for tuning in to Bison Moon, Reach the Moon podcast. If you have any other questions about uh, the interview today, please reach out to me on iTunes or get a hold of me on my website. Thank you for sitting down with me today.